Welcome to the Dog Training Audio Experience Podcast. This is the podcast where you are going to get a lot of value when it comes to learning more about dog training, dog behavior, and beyond. I'm your host, Erica Gonzalez. I'm a certified dog trainer and behavior consultant and the founder of From Dusk Till Dog. And with that, let's get into the podcast. Welcome, welcome. Today's topic is all about reactivity, specifically dogs who react to guests. We will be covering some ways to better manage this issue and some tips on how to work on it, of course. And to help me discuss this complex topic is Bree Blakeman. She is a certified professional dog trainer and owner of Noble Wolf Dog Training located in Portland, Oregon. Welcome, Bree. I'm so glad to have you here. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. I'm so glad we'll get to talk about this because I feel like in over the years doing this professionally, I feel like reactivity is pro- if I had to pick like the number one thing I've handled or gotten questions about or calls about, it's been some form or fashion of reactivity. So I feel like that's a big, big thing for a lot of folks. So I, I thank you so much for coming on so we could talk through this. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, so I feel like obviously you and I know what reactivity is, so I do like to define these things for folks. So how would you describe or define reactivity? What does it look like? And I know we're talking in terms of guests today. I know there's Mm -hmm. reactivity to a million things, but what does it look like? What what, what should we be looking for with that? Yes, yeah. I do always like to point out that all dogs are reactive right? You and I are reactive. Anything that is living and breathing is reactive uh, by nature. And that is a good thing. We do want that. What we're really talking about today is overreactivity, which could be defined by responding to something with too strong of an emotion Mm -hmm. or overreacting to something in the environment likely because the animal perceives it as a threat when it actually isn't one. Mm -hmm. So when we're talking about reactivity, that's typically what we're looking at. And it can be characterized by freezing, barking, lunging, growling, um, fleeing in the presence of a stranger or guest in this regard that comes onto the property or steps through that front door. And that is going to be different for every dog. So some dogs may react with someone just walking past the the house or maybe the coffee table, coffee shop you've been sitting at. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and some dogs may react only when that stranger comes through the door. So it does mm-hmm. depend on the dog, but I like to characterize it by an overreactive emotional response because we are typically dealing with the emotional center of the brain that goes on overdrive and it kind of numbs out the logic driven part of the brain. So getting your dog to do simple behaviors like respond to their name Mm -hmm. is not very easy because they're heading into kind of a self-preservation mode of fight fight or flight. Well said, I love all of that. That is so beautifully put because I know I'm reactive a lot. And uh, there's things that that I, I get reactive to. And I always joke about it because I do try to normalize that 
fact about, we all yeah. have stuff we're kind of, you know, getting emotional about or not feeling comfortable with or not feeling happy about. And we're going to react in certain ways or our bodies yeah. are going to let us know we're not feeling comfortable. And that may manifest in different ways for different folks. And just like it does mm -hmm. with the dogs. And I also like that you, you made note of it's also fleeing and, and maybe mm -hmm. freezing. And because mm -hmm. I think a lot of people think of reactivity as the dogs barking and lunging and going crazy. Yeah. And yes, of course, that's, that's the bigger one, the one we notice more because it's more explosive but these other more subtle things i guess subtle to us rather i'm sure not to the dog emotionally yeah. all the time but they, they can be more subtle and grumbling or low growling or moving away and things like that so i'm so glad that you brought that up because I know I've seen a lot of dogs that are maybe not at a level 10 of mm -hmm. overt reactions, but I can see that they're uncomfortable and they are reacting to something emotionally. And I know if we don't address that appropriately, that perhaps it, it can get to a, now we're lunging at the person and barking and growling and all of that stuff. So I think it's important exactly. to make note of those little ones. <laughs> Yes, and I think that is one of the biggest. I know we'll be talking a lot about what we can do to help them, but I always mm -hmm. like to say to my clients, the, our first step is to become observers and to become really observant yes. of our dogs and their body language because our ticket to success and helping them is in seeing those subtle cues that they mm -hmm. are giving off because the, the reactivity is typically a result of those subtle cues being missed. Right. And we do this too. So if we're trying to communicate a difficult topic to someone maybe that we care about and we're not feeling heard, we have a tendency to escalate our behavior too. True. And so that barking, lunging, growling is, is at the end of the escalation. It's their last resort mm -hmm. in that um, context where if we can catch them uh, exhibiting those more subtle body language cues that indicate that they're hitting what we would call their threshold or that right. that moment where they're going to boil over and have that episode that's where we can start to change the behavior patterns uh, and that takes a lot of patience time humility and also sure um making sure that we're not taking their behavior personally, because if we're taking their behavior personally, or we're getting embarrassed, which is totally valid, mm -hmm. uh, it does make it a lot harder to objectively observe what's happening there. So, right. I, I do think a lot of people, and like you said, understandably so, they do take it very personally, they feel embarrassed, they feel upset. It's a lot of emotions going on. The dog's getting emotional, <laughs> yes. we get emotional. And I'm like, boy, oh boy, we're all a bag of emotions in here. And so, you know, I, I think, I love that you just said we need to be observers first because mm -hmm we that's we need to kind of data collect and and see what mm -hmm. what's triggering the dog what what specific instances what kind of people you know is it everybody is it just you know tall people is it is it just men is it just women yes. is it kids you know is it all of it uh you know are they wearing hats or having facial hair or whatever sometimes it's scent you know i've had dogs yeah. that don't like someone's perfume or they're mm -hmm. freaked out by a smell that's on them so there's so many variables so the first i love that you said we need to observe right watch your dog yeah. figure out where they're slight maybe at a level one and not a 10 of feeling yeah. some kind of way and let's start trying to address it at level one or two and not eight, nine, 10. Um, so that's, that's well put. 
And I know, yeah. you know, with, with people trying to manage this and, and, and dealing with it, and it is, it can be emotionally draining for everybody involved. What would you recommend? What would you suggest for people to be best prepared to deal with this type of thing and, and maybe having some proper management in place? I feel like every episode, every topic, there's management as trainers, we're always, we're always honing in on some management first. So how can we be prepared and manage this before we go into hands-on training stuff? What, what, what are some best practices you would say? Well, I'd, I'd first like to say that I love that you're starting by bringing up management because <laughs> As we know, one of the mm -hmm. first steps to changing behavior is interrupting and um, ceasing helping the dog no longer practice the proper mm -hmm. behavior. Rehearse. Um, mm -hmm. The rehearsal of that, well, first of all, I should say that most dogs who are guest reactive are already going to have had rehearsed that behavior to some right. extent and practice behavior becomes perfected behavior. <laughs> but I think it's really important for people to know that when the dog is reacting to their stressor, we actually get a bit of wear and tear on the body and organ systems, which can also equal reduced optimum health and therefore increase sensitivity to the stressor. And the cycle itself becomes really addictive. Yep. So the dog, starts to become hypervigilant and looking out for things to react to. And if we're not really good about prevention of that mm. rehearsal, then we could train for, for a whole year together with the support of, of a professional and not make any progress or not make right. much progress. So I like to just give a shout out to my clients and saying, Thank you for following through with my suggestions on management mm -hmm. because right. it's very typically one of those things that is very simple, but not easy because it does require that we change our behavior and our environment to set the dog up to succeed. So right. that might mean the easiest answer is don't have guests over to your house for a period of time outside of controlled setups. Make right. your dog's world really small. There's nothing wrong with going, you know, my dog doesn't like having people over. And if exactly. you can make that adjustment and that's the easiest thing for you and your world, mm -hmm. if it, it helps you emotionally as well, there's nothing wrong with saying my dog's world needs to be small. And so maybe that management looks like, well, we really do want to have some guests over. We want to have our housewarming party. Mm -hmm. My dog does really good at doggy daycare. So I'm going to take my dog to daycare when, right. when this party happens. Or maybe we go to grandma's house. Mm -hmm. um, or maybe you're having someone come fix your plumbing and you, you have a dog walker that's befriended your dog. A lot of mm -hmm. guest reactive dogs are fine with their dog walker. Have the dog walker taken out. So they're not in the position of uh, rehearsing that behavior. Sometimes you get easy. Uh, I, I won't say that it's easy. It's never easy. But some dogs, you get the option right. of being able to put them in another room with yeah. a puzzle toy or with a licky mat or a Kong, some enrichment toys that I'm sure your listeners have heard of <laughs> before. Yeah. Um, so sometimes that's an option as well. Um, but in general, using crates, if your dog is crate trained, using baby gates, putting the dog in another room, um, mm -hmm. 
and it can be as simple as putting privacy film up too. So if you have a dog that's barking at people, walking back and forth. I mean, I live in Portland here. So telling people to keep their blinds down on a sunny day is really not Okay. Yeah. Because we need our vitamin D here. We need some sun over there. So you can get privacy film that allows the light to come in. Exactly. You know, fill your soul and also (laughs) restrict, um, the view to, to the street <laughs> as well. Um, so, so those are a few, you know, options in a, in a nutshell that we can turn to, but yeah. I always like to really encourage anyone who's got a dog that's just uh, running a little hot. We're uh, hypervigilant, we're stressed. Uh, you're doing all the management and they're still reacting. Mm-hmm. Talk to your vet, go to yeah. your vet and ask them even on, on the most basic level, are there any calming supplements that mm-hmm. I could integrate into my dog's uh, meals that might help bring them down on this stress scale? Because if we're always functioning on um, like high drive or high alert, and we're yeah. in what we would call more of that yellow orange zone all the time, again, you can't restrict access to, to noises. most of the time. I mean, you could play a white noise machine and then do some of that, but there are calming supplements out there that if you talk to either a canine nutritionist or a veterinarian, Mm -hmm. that might actually make a big difference in de-stressing your dog's world and allowing that brain to be more flexible and receptive to the training. That is so important because I feel like you said it great with stress, right? As humans, we know stress is a killer on the body, on the mind, on everything. And it'll affect your, it'll infest everything you're trying to get done or, or not, you know, in a day. So it's the same goes for our dogs, you know, and anything we can do at any level, the noise machine, talking to the vet for some over the counter or otherwise, um, mm-hmm. you know, medicinal help or calming mm-hmm. supplements or, you know, all of that, anything we could do, the film, if you could throw a couple bucks at it and put a film up or buy something to feed your dog that might help him out, do it because we want to try to, um, in the nicest way, attack this from all angles possible with yeah. the management and with these suggestions to see if that, even if it helps 10%, that's amazing. Yeah. You know, yeah. we got to take anything we can get for this. So I love that you touched on that. And, you know, I think, I think speaking of talking to your vet on that sometimes, and I know I touched on this on the previous episode, we were just talking about kind of nervous dogs and things like that. Mm -hmm. And if you feel like your dog is chronically, chronically stressed, and you're just not, you can't avoid certain things, and they're constantly at that high drive place. It's also a good idea to to either talk to your vet or a board certified veterinary behaviorist Mm -hmm. and see if they need some medicinal assistance, talk with your trainer or professional and, and work as a team and figure out what are all of our options. You know, I think knowing all those options, like you said, is going to be a great starting point um, or wherever you are in your journey, working with your reactive dog, trying to figure this out. So I'm glad that we got to touch on that. And I think too, if you have a dog that's maybe more I don't like using these words as much, but more mild reactivity, right? Where it's, you know, they're not lunging at people or they're not completely uh, losing their minds, but they are uncomfortable at some some level. If they are 
a little more manageable, right? We have those options of just putting them in another room or, or moving them behind a gate or something like that. And it's manageable. You know, having things handy, I can't stress this enough for people, having a, a couple Kongs already filled in the freezer, don't be flustering around in the kitchen once yes. the guest is knocking on the door, yes. you know, so we need to have, you know, have that puzzle toy filled, ready to go and treats in some jars around the house and uh, your leash handy or already on the dog so you can just walk them over nicely where they need to be and maybe a novel mm -hmm. toy, all of that. Be over-prepared not just prepare, yeah. be over-prepared if you're going to either have a training set up or we might have an unsuspected, you know, guest at the door and we have to move our dog quickly, um, you know. And I, you touched on this. I just want to throw this in here as I know I'll forget. Yeah. I have a lot of clients and I don't know if this happens to you, but I have a lot of clients when we first start working that I find out that, cause they're not aware, I don't blame them at all, but their dog Certainly. is a little weird with guests and we, they're yep. kind of part of why they're calling is they're starting to realize this, but they've gotten to meet a lot of the plumbers and the electricians and mm. the lawn folks coming by and, or the house cleaner person or whatever. And sure. I don't know. I just want to say my opinion I, uh, I don't, I don't really like dogs meeting these people. I just, yeah. I think we should just be avoiding that. You're not friends with them. Yeah. I mean, if you are, yeah. I guess we can work on it, but, uh, I, my dogs have never met a plumber or electrician yeah. or any of those people, the pizza delivery, person, none of them, right? Have not they? even my, not even my excited, overly yeah. excited greeter. We don't, we just don't do that because exactly. I don't want them reinforcing her for jumping all over them. There's a lot of different reasons to not right. really do these uncontrolled greetings right. with right. these people. It's just, um, it's too much, uh, it takes too much energy for me. I mean, call me lazy, but I just don't see any value in it. <laughs> agreed, agreed, agreed. I'm like, I have no desire to work through this right now and it's all that's going to happen. Yeah, it's really not. Exactly. So I did want to touch on that because I get a lot of, I think people don't realize like we really don't need to be doing that. And as yeah. us as dog trainers, we're recommending you really shouldn't be. Just put your dog somewhere, let the guy come in or the person come in and then move on with your lives after that. There's a lot of uh, freedom in that for people. Right. Of, you know, not every dog has to be lassie. Like yes. there's this idea that every dog should just fit this picture perfect idea of the most wonderful family dog that can tolerate just about anything that's happening in the world at any time. And that's totally right. unrealistic. I know exactly. I can't function that way. And uh -huh. I think it's, it's time for us to continue uh, debunking these myths that mm -hmm. dogs are supposed to behave in this one set way under these uh, variety of different circumstances and giving people permission to just go, yeah, your dog doesn't like that. Just Let's just not out. do that thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, oh, I didn't know that was an option. Wonderful. <laughs> yeah, this I is feel great. so much better now. <laughs> and I'm like, and now you don't need to hire me for any more sessions. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. And and with the caveat that if if there is if the dog's dangerous, right? Of if course, we have a bite right. history, if there's there if there's a possibility of management failing and actually harm being inflicted on someone, that's right. that's a different story. We do need to definitely be working on that. And then also with the caveat of 
if you're just putting your dog in another room and they're barking their head off because they're super stressed, right. that's also not what we're talking about. Right. Um, there's definitely, but if, again, if it's a dog that just, it's fine if you just put it in the backyard. Right. Right. And they're like, cool, I'm in the backyard. Mm -hmm. uh, and you can avoid that stressful interaction altogether. That's what we're talking about here. Right. Do it. Right. That's great. Yeah. There's your, there's your answer. Yeah. Opt out. You yeah. can opt out yeah. and not have to, not have to address it in that moment anyway. And I love yeah. those caveats too, because behavior is so complex. And for anyone who's listened to this podcast knows that I'm constantly going, this is just one angle is just kind of mm -hmm. one, you know, we paint things with a broad brush when we talk about these things, because when working with clients, and, and I know you, you and I have both done this with people is sometimes I'm working with people over weeks and months to work through yeah. certain reactivity cases. And, and sometimes they're taking that training even longer. It's not that now they're you know, all done and we're ready to go. Yeah, um, totally. I feel like it could be a lifestyle with certain dogs of just yeah, like with totally. us, you know, um, yep. I live with anxiety. It's a lifestyle. You know, I try it to is. minimize yeah. it. I try to avoid yeah. triggers just like we do with dogs, but you know, it is, it is natural and, and it is the exception to the rule and not the rule that dogs are like lassie, you know, it's, yeah, it's, the, exactly. are there dogs like that out there in the world somewhere? Certainly. Sure. Um, that's great. But most dogs are like most people, which is we have issues. Yeah. We got stuck. We're all working on something and we're, we're all trying complex. to, yes, we're <laughs> complex. Exactly. There's many layers to us. So I, I would like to, to add with this little section here, two things, one yeah. bouncing off what you just said, you know, it looks like most dogs out in the world are that patio dog. Um, that's because those are the dogs that can be out doing that. Mm -hmm. That's probably about 10% of dogs in the world that are just chilling on the patio, mm -hmm. letting the baby come up and pull on its ear without an issue. Mm -hmm. That's very small percentage, just that those are the most visible dogs to us. Right. So that's, that's one thing I would like to add. And then the other thing I would like to add is when we're talking about management and, um, you know, sandwiching that in or layering that in with some behavior modification, management mm -hmm. isn't the solution in most cases. It's just right. a stepping stone, right? So we're talking about de-stressing your dog's world so they're not practicing that behavior. And the goal should be that eventually after doing some training with your dog and, and figuring out what works best for your family, then we can start to broaden your dog's world a little bit and peel back some of that management. So mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of should be looked at as a short-term sacrifice for a long-term gain. Beautiful. Yeah. Management's a part of it. It's not all of it. And I think that's, yeah. that's, I'm glad that you said it like that because, you know, yeah, the management might be a part of it at some level, you know, we want to might avoid patios or outings. Maybe mm -hmm. some dogs will never be able to do that, but mm -hmm. we do want to, you know, you work with somebody, hopefully hire a professional, you know, to work with you and, and start expanding out slowly, but it's like learning. Yeah. I forget who said this, but it's like learning how to swim. You know, you gotta yeah. maybe avoid the pool initially. And then when you feel up to it, you get, you dip your toe in and maybe we, step, we take on the first step and see how the water feels. And then we, we move down to the three yeah. foot and so on. But if you dive into the 10 foot, we're all going to drown. So yeah. we have to, we have to make <laughs> our way. We got to make our way slowly. So I'm glad that we got to touch on that. Thank you for that. 
Absolutely. You know, and talking about kind of expanding and, and maybe trying to open up areas where we can start to work on things on that note, you know, and again, with kind of the guests coming in, honing in on that there, what are one or two or maybe more if you have some, what are a couple of tips or techniques people should consider trying if they are dealing with yeah. a dog that's reacting to guests? What are some things they can, they can maybe start with? Yeah. So I'll start with what I think is like the most easy approach for, mm -hmm. for many people. That being said, it's not always going to be the most effective approach for every dog. Right. So that's where hiring professional help comes in. But, mm -hmm. you know, in a nutshell, there, are, I always say there are three pillars to treating reactivity. We've got the prevention of the rehearsal, which we've talked about. We've got rewiring those associations. So that's what we would call our counter conditioning and desensitization. And then also training replacement behaviors. So things that are ideally in, incompatible with the problem behavior can mm -hmm. be really helpful. So that is just in a, you know, broad look at some of the things that we would start to play with Love to that. help your dog be successful. But in terms <clears throat> of specifics, a lot of dogs actually do quite well if you take them on leash and you meet the person down the block outside. Mm -hmm. Maybe you go for a walk around the block and enter into the home together. Usually right. I recommend having the guest enter in the door first. And that's not because of any you know, archaic dominance. Uh, right. You first, <laughs> you're the here. best. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Simply because it allows the person who knows the dog to mm -hmm. control the distance from that guest. Right. So in the beginning, until we know what the dog's history is with this method, we should be creating a bubble of safety around that dog and that bubble should not get popped. And so exactly. allowing the guests to enter in first and immediately sit down, turn their body sideways to the dog and completely ignore the dog, whether mm -hmm. we're barking or freezing and fleeing, we're uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. um, these are our self-preservation behaviors, also distance increasing behaviors, get right. away. Mm -hmm. So having the guests completely ignore them, make themselves small, turn their body sideways and maybe even toss treats to them. Mm -hmm. ideally aiming to toss the treat behind the dog. So the dog is reinforced, not just with food, but with the opportunity to move away from the trigger. Exactly. That can that. be really, really effective. So, so that's one method we could play with. Uh, the, the guardian when meeting that person outside could play a little game called engage and disengage, which is a really wonderful tool. It utilizes marker training. So mm -hmm. marker training is just a way of capturing, like taking a snapshot of a desired behavior and telling the dog, that's what I want you to reproduce. And when you reproduce that, you're gonna get a treat. So mm -hmm. every time, for example, you click that clicker or you say, yes, whatever your dog is doing in that exact moment, you're taking a snapshot of that and promising them a treat afterwards. Mm -hmm. So. A lot of training revolves around, don't look at that, look at me, ignore that, look at me, don't right. look at that, look at me, stop <laughs> looking at things in the environment, stop being reactive to the environment. Right. We don't want that. That's exactly opposite of what we want. So the, the sneaky little secret is reward your dog for looking at the trigger. 
yeah mark them for noticing the trigger and give them a treat okay mm -hmm. now you don't you need distance to do that right so this is where meeting outside is effective have your your friend be it outside of your dog's threshold bubble mm -hmm. and every time your dog notices them click and then they get a treat click they get a treat every single time they look they get a treat they will start to recognize their trigger as a cue in the environment to turn and look at you for food right okay? so we're doing two things we're changing the behavior pattern from freeze, bark, lunge, mm -hmm. to notice, turn away, eat food. How lovely. Yay. And that actually helps with changing the underlying emotional Emotion. association from negative to hopefully at least neutral or positive. So the dog starts to go, man, can we bring that person back so I can <laughs> treat? And if you're doing it right, the dog will start to do um, this, which is uh, marking or no marking. They just kind of start to swivel their head and go, mm -hmm. hey, there's, you know, my trigger's there. Can yeah. I please have a cookie? Pay up. Yeah. So that, that can be a really effective tool because timing is really crucial with our reactive dogs. That's they can right. go from one to 10 in a blink of an eye. And, and so that's the first mistake I see many people make is, is getting too close too soon and, right. um, and not giving the treat to the dog quick enough. Because if we can mark them before the barking happens, you're telling them, yeah, look at that thing without barking. I like when you look at that thing yeah. without barking. <laughs> so that can be really effective. And then you would slowly close the gap, walk into the house together, and then the guest starts tossing the treats. And now mm -hmm. we've got a whole new association being built. So that's the first that. thing I would recommend. I, uh, before we go into the other one, I want to point something out that I, I, so I love those methods. That's something I had to do with Freddie a lot. He's reactive to, to, mm. uh, to other dogs and things like that. So by the way, this works across the board, whether your with dog is reactive too. to <laughs> humans or, or otherwise. Um, but I, I loved doing that. Um, you know, I call it kind of engage, disengage, or look at that. Yeah, and, too. you know, mm -hmm. th there's like 15 names for it, but yeah, you know, it's, <laughs> uh, it, it basically means, Hey, mark your dog for looking and then treat them. And uh, the two things there, I think with, with the first thing you said of, you know, the guests coming and ignoring them, you know, the best thing that we can do for dogs who are reactive or uncomfortable around people. And if you're that person seeing this dog, it's not maybe your dog, but if you're the person coming in as the guest, the best thing you do for them is act like they're not there, <laughs> is yeah. literally act like the dog's not around no matter what they're doing, um, because the dog doesn't want that attention right there. So the more we try to coax them, I think people mean well, but they start going, they it's, it's okay, it's just me. You know, we start crying, trying to win them over and get in their face and put our hands out and try to like stare at them and the dog's for just further feeling uncomfortable. So less is more when it comes to dogs that are reacting towards you if you are the person. And also when we're tossing, the second thing I wanted to say on that was when we're tossing food, keyword on tossing, if the guest is tossing yeah. the food, because there is another little myth like where it's, you know, stick your hand out, let the dog sniff mm -hmm. you or, or even just giving food directly from your hand. And I use the analogy of uh, you know, it's kind of like a creepy dude in a van trying to give kids candy out of it. 
Yeah. It really can be like that. Like I kind of want this lollipop, but I'm feeling really uncomfortable about how I'm getting it, but I, I do yeah. want it though, but I don't know. And what do I do? So I feel like dogs, it, it can, it can poison the food and make the food kind yes. of not a good thing now because untrustworthy. Now exactly. Exactly. So you can, you can make a lollipop bad in certain contexts like that using the human analogy. So make sure that your your guests, if you're practicing this, is is tossing, and that's why I love that you said behind the dog, so the dog mm -hmm. can move away and then see if they want to reapproach in any fashion. So, mm -hmm. um, distance, you know, some distance with the food as well, and not trying to give it from your hands, because I've had people do that, obviously before working with me, and they. The, the dog did come up and get it. And now you have an empty, awkward hand sitting there after they've eaten yeah. it and they might get a little snappy or get uncomfortable. So just be careful of that. So I'm glad that, glad that we touched on that because, mm -hmm. you know, if you're ever unsure, hire somebody, of course, this is all, this, we're given tips, just but you. hiring a professional yeah. is worth every cent. Oh my God. And I will say a couple things on that. Yeah. One, it's so hard to train your own dog. Mm -hmm. on your own without support. Right. I hire professional trainers <laughs> to help me with yeah. my dogs because I'm so biased right. and way too close to it. And it is personal, no matter how much I fake it till I make it, you mm -hmm. know, it does get emotional. So hiring sure. help is just when you can do it, it's, it's just so takes such a weight off your shoulders. Oh my God. So true. Um, and then the the other thing I was going to to add in there has left my brain. That's okay. It happens to me all the time. Uh, where did it go? I know. I where where does it go? Right. It must go in some little go? bucket somewhere. I have a filled bucket of lost thoughts somewhere back there. So, it's so fun to find that and just sort through and see the lost bucket. There. I know. I wish I could access it and see all the things I missed. I'm um, sure it'll come back if, if it was important. Oh, yeah. So. Well, throw it in whenever it pops back I will. up I'll if it go. does. <laughs> you know, mic drop. Yes. Okay. But yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think, and I want to touch on that because, you know, with, we're talking about distance and meeting outside and, you know, tossing treats behind and, and moving away and distance. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes I know as trainers, we tell people this distance is your friend. I always yeah. say to folks. So we often hear that and people know, okay, I need to have my dog under threshold. But some dogs need to be, I've had dogs that are legit football field length away yeah, from something too. and still mm -hmm. reacting, you know, it's like, oh yep, boy, me too. Uh, we're, we're in for a challenge. So when it comes to reactivity to guess, you know, if somebody is in a smaller apartment or a condo, or, you know, we just can't avoid, or they're coming out in a tight space uh, in yes. the hallway or whatever, you know, where distance might not be an option, this happens for folks. So when it comes to reactivity and, and the distance issue, what would what happens if adding distance is not really a, a possibility? An option. Yeah. yeah. What would yeah, you recommend? What are some things we can do there? Because this is a such a situation. hard, hard thing. And yeah. this is, you know, it kind of excites me because I'm like, ooh, the impossible. What can we do? <laughs> yes, the challenge. Um, you know, it is, but I totally recognize like when someone's like, you know oh, my dog can't see any dog at any distance. They just mm -hmm. immediately lose their brain. And, and I come in and I'm like, well, you're too close. Mm -hmm. uh, like, that's very frustrating. I totally right. get 
Right. Oh, you need to get further away. It's like, how in the, you know, yeah, how, how far? do I do that? <laughs> Be on uh, another planet. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> um, and then for our people who live in apartments, bless your heart. I mean, we live in a society where we have all these dogs that are mm -hmm. bred for a specific purpose that is completely extinct. And we're stacking yep. dogs on top of dogs on top of dogs. And by the way, they're not really pack animals. And there's nothing natural about putting two dogs who don't know each other in a home or mm -hmm. in an apartment complex. And so there's so many things True. we could get into there. But when distance is not possible, especially again, if you have that dog that's reacting to the walls because they're right. hearing people in the apartment, this is where you really, really want to get in with a veterinary behaviorist because mm -hmm. this whole experience they're having, having, it's not an obedience issue. It's not a manners exactly. issue. It's uh, it's physiological. And when it's physiological, and the, again, the dog is always losing their marbles on a day-to-day -day basis, we need physiological support, right? And right. I urge you to specifically work with a veterinary behaviorist when you have a dog that's in an apartment, because, um, you know, our veterinarians are amazing our standard um, veterinarians can do so much for us, but they simply don't have the time to troubleshoot medication with exactly. you. Exactly, It's not their wheelhouse. A good veterinarian will say it's not their wheelhouse. Um, and, and a veterinary behaviorist is trained in behavior. They mm -hmm. know how to use medications, what we call off-label. Mm -hmm. And they will make sure that the medication that they're putting your dog on does not turn them into a zombie. So dogs who are on the right medication, you almost won't know. Like I have clients get, you know, work <laughs> with a behaviorist and a month later, I'm like, so how are they doing? They'll go, you know, I don't really know. I don't know. I don't really notice any difference. But then we, I start asking their questions. I'm like, well, how often are they reacting? Mm -hmm. Less. not very often <laughs> and you know it's the, then they start to go oh oh it is working yeah right? and now medication on its own isn't going to there's no quick fix it's not there's exactly. plenty of studies out there um you know that you just put the dog on medication you're not going to see much difference you mm -hmm. you just work on training you're going to see some difference mm -hmm. but then you're going to plateau if you put the two together oh my God, the dog's world can open up. Yes. And you may be able to navigate at least through your apartment to the front door without them having that outburst so you can get out to do your training setups without them losing their mind um, or having already gone over threshold on the way out the door. Right. And in, in this case, I'm kind of referring to like reactivity out in the world, but mm -hmm. all the same principles apply. So physiological <clears throat> support, there's, uh, it's so helpful. I've, I've, you know, worked with clients that were very resistant to, to going me that too. route and then they finally did and they didn't really need me anymore. And we had to say goodbye, yeah. which is ultimately what I want. Right. Um, exactly. So, so that is one thing that's really helpful. Um, now this next thing I'm going to say does require a few things. One, you might want to work with a professional. Um, right. especially if you're not super good at reading dog body language, which nobody is at first. Mm -hmm. um, it is a skill. You have to have a really good understanding of what your dog's stress threshold is. 
And the, again, the way we know that is by reading body language. So right. one thing that I have found helpful for um, folks who are trying to cope with people walking past their apartment door or, or just like just someone coming up on their steps, maybe not even coming in the house, getting a delivery and minimizing mm -hmm. reactions there because they have the blinds down and the dog's still losing their marbles. Mm -hmm. um, I really am a big fan of mat training. So teaching your dog to go to a mat, lay down and um, stay until released. So with an implied stay. Mm -hmm. Now, there's a lot of ways in which we can use the mat with guest reactivity that isn't helpful and could actually remove their flight mechanism. So this is where it's important to have prof professional help. But one method that I think can be really effective is actually working on teaching your dog to settle on that mat while you perform little micro events, mm -hmm. which I call mock greetings. Yes. that um, lead up to what might happen when a guest walks into the front door. So for a lot of guest reactive dogs, if you knock on something, even if they're watching you do it, they will yep. explode, right? Yep. So, so can we actually kind of turn that, that knock into a marker? So dogs on the mat, you do a single knock and feed them a treat. Single knock, they should see you doing it, feed them a treat. Maybe it has to start really quiet. Yeah feed them a treat. So that's step one, right? If they're really good there, can you do two knocks? Feed them a treat. Three knocks. Feed them a treat, right? So you have to split it into tiny little pieces, Micro which not steps. everyone is super good at doing or enjoys doing. But if you're kind of nerdy about behavior, you might have <laughs> a lot of fun with it. Yeah. Um, you can teach that reactive dog that that knock is a cue to go find their mat. Mm -hmm. So we're changing the meaning of that very um, emotional event in their day. Uh, the, the caveat here again is if that knock is happening outside of a training session, mm -hmm. we're draining their confidence bucket with that knock. So you have to put a big sign on your door that says, do not knock. Yep, I actually have one of those call, on call my door. Text. Yeah, which we should have anyways. For yeah, because um, I just don't like people knocking and the dogs barking, so I'd rather than yeah, leave it. Totally. Yeah, it's a yeah. benefit. So then you can eventually build up to maybe um, doing a fake hello or hold mm. on a minute, right? What are those little things that set your dog off? Can you desensitize them just to those? Mm -hmm. And then you walk into the door and peeking out, hi, thank you. Yeah. Right. Make it kind of a game, but we should be increasing the difficulty level only as the dog is like truly relaxed. Um, right. So they should, shouldn't have a tight jaw or a furrowed brow. They should be taking treats softly. They shouldn't be licking their lips. Maybe um, we could define relaxation as really being rolled over on one hip and having like a paw tucked under. Mm -hmm. So they should truly like be like, hmm, oh, we're doing this thing again. Boring. Kind of jello-like I'll, I'll just body. hang out here because I keep getting like room service and they keep <laughs> feeding treats. So I'm just going to chill here. Right. Right. So, so that at least kind of helps with all these small things that happen before the guest even walks through the door. So it mi minimizes the intensity of the guest coming through. Right. Okay. So then what I would recommend is, you know, if you can, if you have a dog where it's been successful and I've had clients where we can actually teach the dog that the knock means run to your bed, 
put the mat ideally out of sight of the door or in another room mm -hmm. so they're actually kind of fleeing the space to go to their mat so we're not like opening the door and there's the dog yeah um so we're kind of helping instill a little bit of flight so they're moving away laying down um and then they're in another room and you can reward them one person can reward them while the guest comes in the guest again should sit down right away mm -hmm. turn their body sideways and then you bring the dog out after the intense part of the guest coming through has occurred again toss treats um, mm -hmm. if that's effective for for your team that one is a lot more complicated than meeting the dog out on the street right. or meeting the guest out on the street but sometimes that can be layered in as a next step um, to try and like compromise with with the what the goals are for the household, right? Mm -hmm. Because some people it isn't going to be enough to just say go outside every single time you have right. someone over. So we can always attempt it and say, okay, let's try. Um, but you know recently in the past i've used mat settling with the guests you'll see on my instagram i have a lot of videos of um the dog settling on a mat and maybe there's a barrier there or a tether and people um them being totally fine with the event of the knocking and um opening the door and like these are my super nerdy clients that are down to go there with yes. me. yes um but even now after having done that for a while i'm like let's there is the concern of them feeling if we've built a stay into the mat them feeling like they have to stay there exactly um, right. right so so i've started to transition like i said to putting the mat away so if they are needing to go to us because some dogs will use it like oh I, I don't know what to do so i'm gonna go lay on my mat that feels more comfortable for me mm -hmm. so can work that way too but i want to set it up so that we're kind of installing an exit strategy too so they're moving further away from the guests to go find their mat. And hopefully maybe that mat's in another room. Mm -hmm. And then they can make that choice to come back right. Choices. on their own. Um, so I would urge you to not do what I did, which is have the mat be like right there when the guest walks in the door. Excuse me. Because um, we, we made it work, but I don't know that right. I do feel the dogs are, it, it, it's quicker to help them feel comfortable if they're not, if they're able to, it's clear that they have a flight path. Yeah, it's like fleeing the scene. There's like, all right, I can yeah. leave, I can leave this whole in, situation and not, mm -hmm. not need to deal with it in this way. I can deal with it yeah. by being away. I think yeah. that's really, really, I love mat training for multiple things and I love it that you're using this context as well to just, you know, again, not, not every tip is for every dog or every approach is yeah. for every dog here. But if, if it, if this could be a really good thing for dogs, because it gives them something where they do feel comfortable, like you're saying, it is a place where mm -hmm. kind of a place of solace, which mm -hmm. is what I like to call it. So somewhere they could kind of be in peace. And I think it helps too, because then your the the pet parent and the dog if if they're working on it like they're over there near the mat 
the other person is opening the door, the guest is walking mm -hmm. in. And yep. now it also helps get ahead of the fact that guests sometimes don't help that much by yeah. accident. They're trying to go touch the dog or approach yeah. the dog. So I think having some type of proactive activity like this helps minimize mm -hmm. that as well, where people, the dog's not right there and the person's like, hey, how it's me, you know, trying to mess yeah. with them by accident, even though they probably mean well. Um, yeah. I love having proactive things like that because it just helps minimize some other potential mistakes or accidents that might happen there. Yeah, love that. Absolutely, and and where this kind of came from is is in learning that, you know, as you and I know, like nerdy nerdy words here, but we can't <laughs> ever really separate out like classical conditioning and operant conditioning, but right. what is happening with the animal is like an emotional overdrive, right? The limbic system is like through mm -hmm. the roof so that like prefrontal cortex can't really problem solve as much. But what right. we know, um, neurologically speaking, is if we can engage the, the logic driven part of the brain, the emotional part of the brain um, is less on overdrive right, and they're subsides. therefore more receptive to being again, more flexible and learning new behavior patterns. So if we've built up this replacement behavior mm -hmm. in a way that is highly reinforcing for the animal, then it's like, Ooh, I'm doing this fun game. Oh, and there's a guest here, but I mm -hmm. want to play my fun game. Right. right. Um, and that's really the idea there is that we're we're engaging them in an activity that has such a long history of positive reinforcement that they are able to access it in that situation right. so that that's to the other mistake i often see clients make up front is just using these replacement behaviors and practicing them in the triggering context Oh my and gosh. I yes. love, I love your, I have a very long winded way of saying what you say in one sentence, which is practice the fire drill before there's a fire. Right. That's my favorite. That I was like, I use it all the time now. My long winded uh, sentence, my paragraph. <laughs> show me. I'm like, let me say it in two paragraphs. Um, and there's me. It's, it's like, you know, how can I say this in one word? Like, I'm the, it's like another problem. I'm like too short sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's like, you know, an actor doesn't start rehearsing their lines. When they're filming the movie. It, yeah. Yes. No, no way. You couldn't do that. You have to get together and you practice it with your with your cast in small little scenes. Little, little. You split the events yes. and you rehearse it over and over again until mm -hmm. you can get on camera and say it like totally blacked out with anxiety right. perfectly. <laughs> right. Right. Because we have to make it muscle memory. So that's why if ideally I can now put the mat away from the guest, now we're making it muscle memory for the dog to move away from the guest, which so when we're on emotional overdrive and we're trying to say, get away, get away, as an animal, you're going to, again, you're in a house, you have nowhere to flee in your mm -hmm. mind, close quarters. Um, so your only option is to fight. So you, you aggress, you know, you perform an aggressive behavior pattern. Doesn't mean you're actually, your intent is to harm, but mm -hmm. it, it causes you to close the gap with the thing that you're afraid of. Exactly. So if we could make that new behavior pattern be, um, I play fun game and I move away from the guest to play fun game, mm -hmm. um, that that's really helpful, I, I find. 
I love that. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny because that's something that I think I hear that way, way, way more than I ever thought I would, which is people are trying to use food or they're trying to use a toy or they're Mm -hmm. trying to get their dog to do the behavior or go into the man, but they're doing it while Sally's knocking on the door profusely. (laughs) And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Have we practiced this a million times before Sally gets there? Yeah. You know, we need to, we need to make this muscle memory and yeah, I love those analogies, like actors and, and athletes, like they're not doing yes. their routine for the first time during the Olympics. They're doing it millions of times. You don't start a backflip by doing a backflip. Yes, exactly. Least, hopefully not. Yeah, unless you want to be seriously <laughs> injured. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's so true, right? This is goes across the board for anything we're really trying to perfect or do well at. We have to practice. We need to practice it. And in low to, to no distraction environments and then work up to the real deal. You know, Tom yeah. Brady doesn't win Super Bowls by waiting to the Super Bowl. He, he does it. <laughs> he throws that ball a million times a month. So, you know, you, you have to be on that level. And most people, I think, want the Olympic gold medal version of dog training working out well. Well, you have to yeah. put in that work that comes yeah. with achieving a gold medal at the Olympics. Exactly. I mean, you have to work at that. So, Can I just say something really quick? Of course, I would love that. So my guest reactive dog, mm-hmm. we have someone, our heat is off right now. We had someone um, just knock on the door and I was like oh. getting ready to go like redirect her and she no didn't worries. bark. Wow. Look at that folks. <laughs> okay. That is not Quiet. always how it happens. I, I have know. Yeah. Down. I have my management in place. Yeah. Um, wow. But we've been Very doing nice. lots of um, rehearsals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Of oh, can you hear that? There's knocking and no barking. I'm gonna go reinforce. Yeah, no worries. This is good. I love it. I'm gonna do a quick pause here. We'll be back, and we're back. So that was really that was really good. That was good. I'm very. This stuff can work, you know, and it It might not work work every time, but we, you know, Freddie's like this too. Freddie's very anxious and has he came to us with a lot of reactivity and issues with noise sensitivities and other dogs and even people like he loves people but if he if someone knocks on the door he goes into he does have some protectiveness over Mm -hmm. the house he's very like who's coming around my lap of luxury over here um (laughs) like he loves this house and is very doesn't really want to make anyone else come in um so I have to do this stuff with him too. So I totally get it. And if I miss a sound, he'll bark. That's and okay. It, yeah. And, yeah. And I think it's know. normal at some level that dogs bark at knock, yeah, knocks on the door. <laughs> here's the thing. If, you know, if your dog's reacting all day long, that can be very, exactly. again, really problematic for them. But, you know, if it's like I bark at the mailman once a day and that's mm-hmm. my big event of the day and then I'm totally fine as soon as the mailman goes away. I mean, there, that's okay too. I mean, Juno's right. got chow in her so we're bred to guard mm-hmm. there's no amount of training ultimately that can completely override genetics and that's okay with me but the fact right. that she didn't bark had yeah. she barked that's cool too we'll yeah. continue to work on it but she didn't bark i'm like okay sorry i know i'm in the middle of a podcast here but i gotta go and re- <laughs> hey, reinforce my dog yes <laughs> it's real life you know this is how training goes you have to roll with what's coming at you so, you too. 
Yeah. I mean, it's, I do think too, it's nice to, I think it's great to have trainers share these things because I do think there is this, like, we have perfect dogs that never bark and never do anything. And I'm like, my dogs have, you know, they're great dogs and obviously we train our dogs and we're good at our job, but you know, they're, they're individuals and they have things that we learn to live with or avoid or, or just deal with because it's who they are. And yeah, we manage it and work on it, but there's, there's stuff with Freddie, you know, he's, he, he gets a little something about noises and I'm okay with that. I just work through it and make sure it's minimized and not like a huge explosion. It's it's real life. A big part of, of, having dogs and and training it's just setting realistic expectations so true and um and that's great that's okay that's life exactly and I think too you know out outside of some of these proactive things that people can do yeah I just wanted to hear from you outside of like management and the training. Were there some other maybe outliers or, or things maybe people aren't thinking of maybe even outside of what we would think of to work on reactivity in general um, to further help them in their day to day that you would recommend? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I will say one more thing that kind of bounces off maybe why Juno just did so good. Oh, yeah, yeah. After, after um, doing the knocking and the performing of the mock departures with some dogs i've had a lot of success actually putting a bluetooth speaker outside of the door and so now now they're not seeing you do Mm. the thing and this doesn't even have to be with matt settling at all but like i play the mailman's um scanner sound like five times a day and i have little jars of treats throughout my house um and wherever my dog is when that sound occurs i do a little scatter of treats love it um and that and same thing record different kinds of knocks i've like recorded npr so there's just like different voices happening on my oh, porch nice. um and i will say for some dogs that actually just totally doesn't work they're just like yeah that's a recording right um for juno it totally works <laughs> to, to get that lessening of the stimulus right um without the real life exposure and it allows you to practice it in a controlled way many more times through the day as opposed to you know zooming with your friend on uh, you know having them walk up and down your steps which is something that i do with my reactivity guests we just facetime and i make sounds on their porch um Thank you. So Lots those are of a couple other graduations you can level up when your yeah. dog um gets comfortable with you performing the stuff but so in day-to-day life though we real quick i just want to say brie because i think this is really great for people to remember to hold it on to what you just said i would say make the sounds that you know trigger your dog we're basically making them pavlov's bell yeah. Like that sounds occurring and then food is coming out. Mm-hmm. So I yes. think a lot of people know of that or have heard of that at some level. And yes. I know it's slightly different, but the, the timing and kind of the, the gist of it is kind of the same. So make these things be woo stuff. Good stuff comes. Yep. All right. Sorry. Brie, and so, so on, on that note, in order to make it Pavlov's bell, for sure, the sound has to occur before you reach for that treat jar. Correct. Yes. If you're, or I always say that too, like if you start moving your hand 
even slightly in a manner, your dog knows what's going on, right? They, they, yeah. if they know anything, they know when you're going to grab for, for something to give them. So very good point on that. And that's when we get our reverse order conditioning where the hot dog is scary because the scary event always occurs after the human reaches for the hot mm -hmm. dog. So mm -hmm. it's always the thing we don't want them to be reactive to occurs first. And then a second later, we reach for the food and deliver the treats. Correct. Thank you for that. Anyways, because I think yeah. that, that's a common, uh, I guess, for lack of a better word, like a, a mistake or something that doesn't yeah. work out well as people don't know they need to do that. So I'm yeah. glad that we touched on that. Might as well sneak it in there. Yeah, we're sneaking <laughs> in a lot of gems. Me and Brie could talk for five hours about all this, I know. Um, I know. which is good. So we have a lot of gems. So Final note with that. So some proactive stuff outside of training, quote unquote, outside training stuff. Training, right? So everybody's heard the term a tired dog is a good dog, right? Mm -hmm. And yes, exercise is important, but I would like to take it one step further and saying we have to exercise our dogs thoughtfully because a right. lot of people will rely on physical exhaustion, running their dog into the ground throwing that check it for two hours straight, going mm -hmm. to the dog park for two hours straight um, as a management tool to hopefully achieve calm. Mm -hmm. This is actually not what we want to do. Our dogs do need about two 20 minute bouts of cardio a day. Mm -hmm. um, cardio walks don't count as cardio. Walks are like reading a good book. So mm -hmm. those would check our mental enrichment box. To achieve cardio, we do need to get the heart rate up. Um, so you can do that in a variety of different ways. But what I would like to, to bring in here is that our reactive dogs need help building peaks and valleys of energy in a structured way within their training sessions and with, within their exercise routines. So if, for example, I, the chuck ball is the easiest one, are yeah. super ball addicted dogs. If you're just throwing that ball over, over, over and over again, what's happening is we have stress hormones. Maybe it's good stress, but we do have stress hormones and adrenaline spiking in the blood, mm -hmm. which are then getting reinforced with the dog's favorite thing in the world. So right. we are reinforcing what many trainers would call high states of arousal. So the dog is spiraling out and maybe even becoming addictive uh, addicted to that state of arousal and that yeah. ball in that situation. And so that is going to work against what you're trying to achieve because many reactive dogs need help with not impulse control, but self-regulation, learning right. how to Levels. regulate their states of excitement and their emotions in high stress or high excitement scenarios. So we can start to help them with that process when we're exercising and training. So what I like to do is I like to balance out maybe a few ball tosses with practicing like a sits day or practicing a relaxation protocol where I'm actually asking the dog to reel it in and access an off switch so that we're, we're achieving approximations of calm. It's not gonna start with them going, yeah, sure, let me just roll over and hang out. <laughs> Um, right. capturing small approximations of calm and reinforcing that calm with the high arousal activity. Mm -hmm. um, so I like to give my clients a structure that comes from um, Sarah Owings, uh, Controllers and Illusion course. So she does Love something that. called three act training. And I do this in just general trainings, uh, 
setups, like even if I'm just trick training and I do this in exercise. So it's two minutes on followed by two minutes off three times in a row. Love so it. your um, two minutes on could be doing some ball throwing. And then we're going to do maybe Susan Clothier's really real relaxation exercise. We're going to work on settling for a moment, bringing that heart rate down, reinforcing our dogs for looking away from us. Maybe we could bring in a little bit of Emma Parsons click to calm. So noticing yes. the brow no longer a furrow, noticing the dog tuck a toe under, noticing the dog yawn or lick their lips or sigh and right. rewarding those little approximations of calm for two minutes. And then we get to do the fun thing again. Um, it's like turning it on even, and off, you know, it's kind of it helping them so reel it back. install that, that off switch so they know how to self-regulate because self-regulation is a skill and it's a behavior. Yes. Behaviors can be taught. And many of our dogs aren't taught that skill because we've heard True. so often that a tired dog is a good dog. And we end up mm -hmm. with this purpose-bred dog who's not got a purpose. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they're super, super um high energy but oftentimes that high energy is just a dog that needs help learning right. how to how to chill right. and we can teach them that by choreographing or um yeah by creating these structured situations where we're doing a thing and then we're not doing a thing right. in a nutshell i love so, that I think that's really, I think that's really important for people because I think the other thing too, is like, whether it's, they, they go jogging with the dog or yeah. run with the dog, you know, it's, it's that, right. It could be they're, mm -hmm. they're furthering to reinforce this hyper aroused state mm -hmm. as well as sometimes, you know, after they're running with a dog for months on end like that every day, and they think it's good because they're bringing their dog out. And I appreciate mm -hmm. that. But then they realize that that three mile a day run is no longer, we've built up mental endurance with this. We're building an athlete. Right. Like yes. again, uh -oh. we, yeah, it's like, whoops, you know, now we need to do 12 miles for this dog <laughs> to like feel anything about it. Yeah. So you just want to, yeah, I think making note of being careful about that. And I do think uh, a, a dog's needs being met and, and doing things that, that the dog enjoys that might be physical exertion and, and maybe reading a book and like a decompression style type walk or a sniffy walk, you know, those are all going to be components to help certain dogs. And to go off of that too, I think some things outside of training, helping your dog be able to cope and, and go through those levels and kind of turn it on, turn it off, super important. And then mm -hmm. I also add in, you know, hey, let's make sure that we're giving our dogs daily enrichment activities yes. to do. And, you know, if we can do some sniffy walks, that's great. I love doing those mm -hmm. with my, that my dogs need that every day. Lord knows they let me know if we don't get to it, that occasional day where it's a little rainy or whatever, they definitely yeah. look at me like we didn't go. Um, yeah. We've all gotten that look. So I think another thing too, for not every dog, but I think for a lot of dogs, this can help if you do have a dog that might be a little bit quote unquote high energy or might even be hyper aroused a lot of times during yeah. the day for whatever reasons, having some 
destroy toys. So some of the vet behaviorists that I work closely with on cases and stuff, like we're very big with the destroy toys. Now this is not for every dog because then I have the people come at me like, my dog's going to eat the cardboard. Like obviously if your dog's going to eat it or try to swallow, obviously this might, we, we come up with something else, but you know, destroy toys. So letting your dog rip up a box or letting your dog, you know, push around an empty water jug or something I love that that love destroy toys so I feel like that lets out some of that like I'm gonna do all this stuff but you do it on an appropriate thing it's kind of like those weird I don't know what they're called those rooms that they have where you go in and you smash things I forget what that, it's like a thing now, you know, it's like go and destroy things, right? Um, We pay people that go into a room and destroy stuff. You know, it's like unbelievable, but we all need sometimes just an outlet to kind of let it out, right? So enrichment and walks like that and destroy toys and, you know, making sure we're meeting our dog's needs. And I think observing back to going back to observing your own dog figuring out what your dog likes based on their personality and their breed and their size and the things Mm -hmm. they really enjoy and trying to structure a day or a week of, okay, what, what kind of enrichment are we giving our dog this week and this month? I think planning is, is such a big thing we do as trainers for our clients. But I think a lot of people, even, even if you're not going to hire a trainer and you're trying to work through this at home, sitting down and actually having some type of plan. We do it for work. We do it for, yeah. for a projects we're trying to work on. We sit down and look at a week, print up a calendar and say, okay, what days are we doing uh, little sniffy decompression style walks? What days are we going to yep. be practicing these relaxation protocols? Having a plan, having your family on board, getting some consistency is going to be key. Absolutely. I love both of those points. We've got to satisfy our dogs like core needs. Right. And I like to break down those needs. Every dog has different needs, but my, my big list of what is a species appropriate <laughs> um, canine need should involve sniffing, potentially dissecting, potentially digging, chewing, chasing, and for a lot of dogs, social contact. So that social mm-hmm. contact may be just with people in their close circle that may be a social, a dog social dog. Mm -hmm. But we do have to figure out what those core needs are and meet them accordingly. Um, And then when it comes to having a plan, one thing that I like to tell my clients is if you're a super busy person or if you're anything like me, we'll just say, (laughs) I don't do very well with having a, on Monday, I'm going to do this. On Tuesday, I'm going to do this. A structured plan like that. Because Mm -hmm. what happens is if I don't achieve those things, there's this long you know, cycle of guilt. Yeah, um, I didn't get to at it. That and seeing everything I didn't do. So that's yes. not very reinforcing for me. So instead, I make a little master list, like a chalkboard of Love all the it. things I would like to work on with my dog. And then I just have a dog calendar where I put in what I did do. And Love that's that. a lot more reinforcing for me because I can go look at all the things I did do. And that's then I great. start to go, hmm, I haven't done uh, mat settling in a really long time, maybe I should start integrating that. And I find that's a little, um, a little more guilt-free of a way to, to kind of check that box. And then the, the other thing that I've been getting really into is, uh, something called habit stacking. Have you heard of that? No. 
So mm -hmm. right, all of these behavior uh, behavior uh, training methodologies work for us too, right? So oh, yeah. if we can chain our own behaviors so that, you know, after oh, I, I brush my teeth, mm -hmm. I always work on nose targeting with my dog. You or incorporate after, it into your day, yeah, like make it a you stack routine. stack it against something that's already well ingrained in your routine. So I'm always going to get up and make coffee. It takes four minutes for that coffee to steep. I can definitely stack in training my dog for four minutes. Four minutes, guess what? yeah. Four minutes is almost too long of for a training sitting, session, yeah. mm -hmm. right? So I love how that. can we stack in training into mm -hmm. our own predictable um, patterns there? Patterns. Love so. that. Yes. Habit stacking. We hear Yay. trigger stacking a lot. So I was like, hmm, we're just building a habit in there. Yeah. So I, I like that. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to bring that on. I'm glad that we, we touched on that because, you know, I'll tell people, Hey, let's incorporate it into your day to day. Or even if you're going to feed your dog, right. We're already there. We're already yeah. going to pick the food up and put it somewhere, put it in an enrichment toy or spend, spend stacking. Yeah. You yeah. know, we're just incorporating it into our lives and not not having mm -hmm. it be so daunting of, and I'm glad that you touched on like, because everyone's got different personalities. I'm very type A. I love having my to-do list and checking yes. it off. Other people yes. that might make them feel bad if we don't get to all of it. And I'm glad just like with dogs, we're all different, right? So there's yes. uh, so many ways you can approach this. Find what works for you is, is the takeaway from that mm -hmm. to make sure that you can stay consistent with it in some way. So I'm so glad that we got to add that in here at the end. I know, and little, little nuggets. Yeah, little nuggets. This filled with nuggets. And, you know, and I think I want to, I want to leave us with, with one last thing about all this reactivity stuff and having, you know, some of these things that can be somewhat daunting at times and emotionally triggering for us. I know when Freddie yeah. was stressed with certain things, I was very stressed because I felt so bad for him and I wanted it to be better. And, you know, I went through some of those emotions that I know we all have as trainers, whether it's with our own dogs or clients, dogs or both, you know, both, we were yeah. there feeling it with you. So I think sometimes we just need to meet our dogs where they're at and, and not every dog is going to be cured quote unquote yeah. for activity. I don't feel like most cases I've seen anyway, are going to be like some disease that we're curing. And now we're never going to worry about it again. Like with any anxiety and stress and triggers, just like in, in people, you're learning how to better live with it. It's not that it completely goes away. Like there's not a day where I'm going to never feel anxiety ever again. You know, we just learn how to work through it and work better and, and try to avoid uh, having those things from happening, but they're going to happen. So I think meeting your dog and kind of just sometimes not feeling like we have to fix every tiny thing and just yeah. being okay with, okay, my dog is reactive or nervous around guests and maybe we'll get it better. Maybe we'll get it a lot better. But if you've exhausted yeah. everything, don't feel disappointed or at a loss. I would just try to get some place where you're accepting your dog and saying, hey, I have stuff that I, I just, I'm not a hundred percent. We're at this percentage and that's good enough. And we've done all, all we can here. And this is how we have to kind of live. So I think sometimes, you know, it's a lifestyle having a reactive dog to certain things. And I think that's okay. So I like to normalize yeah. that at the end here to say, hey, I love that. This, is, this is okay. We're all dealing with something and we're all trying to, to continue to just live, you know, and try to be yep. as best as we can. We're all doing our best, our dogs included. Yep. We're in relationship with our dog. Yes. Right? So 
the moment we bring them home and no relationship is complete without compromise mm -hmm. and two-way communication and that isn't always going to fit into our ideal um you know prefabricated idea of what that relationship should have looked like when we brought that dog home it's right. whether you have a reactive dog or not there's always going to be some compromise and adjusting of expectations and i find that those who go there end up having a deeper relationship with their dog and a deeper understanding of not just their dog but themselves and how these tools can carry over into their lives with the people they live with <laughs> <laughs> yes these these I skills work across the board that is so yeah. true i know i know karen Pryor touched on that a lot and don't shoot the dog is just these yes. positive methods and and just kind of working with our dogs can really help us across the board with other relationships with with people and so on so so glad yeah. that that we added that in there and brie this was great i mean this is jam-packed i'm so glad we got to cover on all of this Me and i know too. we could do five more episodes on reactivity <laughs> Um, oh so, <laughs> so it's such a big, it is a, a beast of a topic, but I'm glad it that is. we were able to give some, some nuggets and some piece of, some pieces of advice to help those, um, for those listening, where can they connect with you online or otherwise? Yeah. Yeah. So I am very active on Instagram. You can find me at noble wolf on instagram and that's like wolf the sound a dog makes not wolf the animal um so noble wolf and i also have a virtual uh community it's uh noblewoofnetwork.com so i just launched that about a month ago awesome. and it functions kind of like a facebook group without all the noise and there are also subscription levels so it's kind of like a Patreon in that way. Yeah. Um, but I'm really most excited about the free base level because it's a place where we can all come together as like minds with the same goals and the same, um, you know, perspective on training. So you don't have the trolls and you also don't have the a misinformation of people meeting well and giving really backwards yeah. advice so it's kind of it's an intimate little group and it's it's i'm having a lot of fun with it so nice. you can definitely find find us on there and then in portland noblewolf.com is my coaching pr uh, platform so in person and virtual coaching um and then i just started a TikTok, which is very overwhelming these Yay. kids with their TikToks, i'm like there's oh, so many love, options on here i'm so in love with How TikTok. Do I do <laughs> so i just started um I'm nice. playing around with doing stalking dogs at, at the dog park and filming dogs <laughs> playing so love we can it. break down dog body language so love it's canine, it. canine communication We'll see if it keeps going because I, I kind of have a lot on my plate, but I like <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I know I consumed for a while before I did anything on there. I was just like, I'm going to consume all of this for a bit. It's a lot. It's, it's a lot. Cool. It's a cool it's, platform. It but... is really cool. Oh, that's great. Yeah, so those, that's, that's me. That's where you can find me. Awesome. And I would love, you know, always shoot me an email to Brie at noblewoof.com. You can find me there as well, but great. Yeah. Well, thank yeah. you. And Brie, I really appreciate your expertise on all of this and, and bringing Likewise. all of this, all these tips. I feel like this is 
jam packed with a lot, a lot of information. So I'm just thrilled you were able to come on and, and taking the time. Thank you so, so much for being here and for bringing all of your, all of your expertise here. Thank you so much for having me. It was super, super fun to, to be here and chat with you about this stuff. I yes. really appreciate everything you're doing for the dog community and for pet guardians. It's just so awesome to have you out there um, doing your thing. And, and Thank you. Yeah, we just hey, we love you in this that. household. Oh, well, you know I love you guys back so much. And <laughs> I've been wanting to have you on for such a long time. So I'm so glad we can make it work today. Likewise. And uh, and for those listening, you know, you know how to connect with Bree. And as always, treat yourself and treat your dogs. And as they say, that's a wrap, guys. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. I hope you found some value in it. And if you did, please consider giving us some positive reinforcement and leave us a review. If you'd like to connect with me online, go ahead and give me a follow at From Dusk Till Dog on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, or Facebook, or you can visit our website at FromDuskTillDog.com. And until next time, take care and talk soon.